Welcome to Going Out Your Door, the podcast to get you out your door and on the road. My name is Marjorie Freima. Thank you for joining me today. And I think we're going to jump right into our topic, which is airports, because I don't have a ton of travel-related news to pass on for myself. I guess, full disclosure, it's actually still 2021, late December as I'm recording this, and I'm hoping to travel a little bit for New Year's. Uh, just a few hours away, but we are, uh, we have quite a few inches of snow outside because it is Colorado and the Rocky Mountains. So I'm not sure if that's going to happen. And that has been a funny reminder to me moving from Taiwan to Colorado about how winter can impact your travel plans. I guess any weather can impact your travel plans in Taiwan. It may have been like typhoons or things like that, earthquakes. Uh, But winter is definitely a beast unto itself in that Snow makes everything seem so calm and like if you just go slow enough and all of that, you can make it through. It's not like a wild, raucous uh, weather event, but it's really problematic living up here in the mountains. You know, we have to drive through the mountains, through the high passes to get really anywhere a few hours away. And on this small town's message board, you know, Facebook message board where we ask questions and share events and things. Everyone is always asking, like, how does this pass look? What's the status of this pass? Has anyone driven this road today? And it really, really can mess up your plans, can mess up your life. Um, Of course, you know, trying to be safe and everything and not go if it's treacherous, but also you don't want to be stranded in, in this small town for the entirety of the winter season. So we're trying to navigate that, figure out what might be possible for New Year's. Uh, it's a few days away and we've had snow for the past couple nights. So it's not looking great, but it's not impossible yet. That is the totality of my travel plans at the moment. If I wanted to do anything further away, you know, get to an airport, I would still have to travel those roads. So it really does impact quite a bit. But speaking of airports, that's what we're talking about today. And I admit that I was a little bit back and forth on this topic because airports, super critical part of traveling, you know, at least if you're flying, you must go to an airport. But at the same time, I felt a little bit ridiculous because this is a hugely interconnected world that we live in and people are traveling all the time for business or vacations, you know, I think a lot of us are very used to it, so it felt kind of basic to talk about what to expect in an airport. But at the same time, I remember going off to my first solo travel, uh, getting myself to Austria for my study abroad program, and I didn't know what to do. You know, I was a total novice to airports. I'd traveled with, with my family before that, but I was, you know, just tagging along and letting them do everything and tell me where to go. So I hadn't had to navigate that myself before. And I will say my number one travel tip, if I could sum everything up for almost any situation, follow the signs. Signs are there for a reason. Signs will usually point you in the right direction. So in any situation, as long as you can read them, follow the signs that will get you very, very far. 
But there are also some tips and tricks, and I wanted to let you know what to expect if you're arriving at the airport for the first time. Maybe you are setting off for your own study abroad program or doing a gap year, or you know, you finally bought that ticket that you've always wanted to, to the place you've always wanted to go, and you don't have a ton of experience in airports. This is going to help you out. Consider this your cheat sheet, and I am so glad you're here. I don't ever want to assume that people have experience that they don't because I 100% was that beginner traveler at one point in my life. So welcome and let's talk airports. Generally, the airport experience can be summed up as get there, check in, go through security and or passport control if you're traveling internationally, and get to your gate. That's sort of the basic flow, the basic process. So arrive to the airport. Many airports have multiple terminals, a terminal being like a big building where things happen, <laughs> where where you go to get on your airplane. Um, airports expand over the years or they need to have a certain layout to fit the, the city or the terrain that they're on. So they might have two or three of these terminals, these big buildings. Usually you can get between them. There's a bus or a train or some sort of way to travel between them, but usually it's not terribly convenient. So you want to go to the correct terminal when you first get there. This will often be on your ticket confirmation. It'll say terminal one, terminal two, but if you can't find it or if it's not there, just do a Google search for this airport, the airline that you're flying and terminal, and it'll be super easy to find. So get to the correct terminal. And then you're going to need to check in and or check your bags. If you're not checking a bag, if you're just bringing carry-on, you are probably going to be able to check in online or on the airline's app. You'll then have a mobile or a printable boarding pass and you can go straight to security with your boarding pass. But if you need to check your bag, you will probably have to check in in person. Some places do have like a separate bag drop area so you can just check in yourself and then go drop your bag to make the process faster and easier. Um, As with all things, follow the signs. A lot of airports also have kiosks, so if you didn't check in online, but you're also not checking a bag, you can just use a little kiosk with a screen to check in. You'll have to scan your confirmation or your passport or your ID, and it'll spit out a boarding pass for you. But in my experience, these are often not working. They're often out of order. Um, If they do work, great. It's usually pretty easy, but you may have to go to an agent at the desk to check in. You will give them your ID, they will look up your flight information, they will ask you any relevant questions that they need to know, are you checking a bag, do you have anything hazardous, all that stuff, and they will give you your boarding pass and take your bag. They will also weigh your bag at that situation, usually. So if you think your bag might be overweight, this is when you are crossing your fingers as you put it on the scale. If it's overweight, they will tell you, you will have to take something out of it or pay a fee, or sometimes they'll be super nice and not say anything if it's just a little bit overweight. Um, I've had all of those experiences before. In terms of asking you about anything hazardous, you should know that you cannot pack battery packs in your checked luggage, like for your phone, um, USB charging packs. They will probably ask you about this. Apparently, they can spontaneously combust. Um, and yet it's totally fine to bring them in your carry-on bag or your purse. You're just not allowed to have them in your checked luggage, which is 
interesting to me. Uh, You may have to watch your bag until it passes a certain checkpoint on the conveyor belt just to make sure that everything's good and it's going where it needs to go. They'll say like, stand here till you can see your bag. But at that point, the agent will give you your boarding pass and you can proceed to security. Some airports have you go through security right away and then go to your gate. In my experience, that's more common internationally, whereas in the U.S., you will often find your gate and then go through smaller security um, checkpoints at individual gates or for like a cluster of gates together. But again, that's just totally general. Follow the signs, follow the signs. But you are heading for security you are going to make sure you have your ID, passport if you're traveling internationally, and your boarding pass ready to go to show them. You will take a few of the plastic bins that they have, put your stuff inside them, try not to stack things up. They generally want things to be like one layer, so don't put your shoes on top of your laptop or something like that. You will have to take out your liquids, your liquids. <laughs> I feel like we've all been told this ad nauseum for years and years and years, but no more than three ounces or a hundred milliliters each, and they all need to fit into a quart bag. Yes, I have scammed the system. I have used a gallon bag instead of a quart bag. Most of the times it has worked. Occasionally it hasn't, and I've gotten yelled at and had to throw some of my stuff away. So again, it's up to you if you want to try it. And now in different places, different airports, they're getting a little bit more lax. I've had occasions where I haven't even been asked to have my liquids out, in which case you could you know, probably have as many as you want. Um, But generally you do want to have those the right size and in the court bag, just in case they're going to be strict about it. You will have to take your laptop and any other electronics out of your bags. You will, you may have to take off your belt, hats, shoes, etc. especially in the U.S. Taking off shoes, I think is still across the board, but in other countries, it's not as common. Obviously, you cannot have any knives or scissors or other sharp objects. Once all of your things are in the bins, your big bag doesn't usually have to be in a bin. It can be by itself, but you're going to push them until they're on the conveyor belt and wait your turn to go through the x-ray or the body scan or whatever they're using at that airport. So generally, the U.S. has much more intense personal scanners than other countries do in my experience. In the U.S., they use like x-ray or millimeter wave scanners. Most other countries are still using the old-fashioned metal metal detectors that are just, you know, the archway that you walk through. In the U.S., it's going to be like a tube kind of thing that you walk into and you have to put your hands above your head and it rotates and scans you and then you can walk out. But again, those are more invasive technologies. I have no idea what I'm talking about. You can tell in terms of like the x-ray, x-rays or the millimeter waves. So you can request a pat down if you're not comfortable with that kind of radiation or for whatever reason you can't expose yourself to it. You can request a pat down instead of being scanned by the machine. I have done this before when they first introduced those machines and I was kind of scared of them. Um, it's a little bit inconvenient for them. So you might you know, the the agents might be annoyed with you, whatever. Uh, A pat down, I've never had a bad experience with it, but again, I'm kind of just go with the flow. I know you have to do this, so it doesn't matter to me. If you are maybe a little bit more sensitive about people touching your body, you might be cautious about this, Uh, but generally they run their hands like down your arms, down your legs. They do two hands between your breasts if you're a woman, um, 
I've always, again, had a totally professional experience, haven't had a problem with it, but that is what to expect from a pat down. Sometimes you might trigger an alarm for a totally normal reason. Maybe you have like a metal um, button on your shirt or something like that and they will have to do a pat down in that situation. Sometimes you're also just randomly selected. They do those as well. And, you know, sometimes you might be selected for racist or xenophobic reasons, but we're not getting into that, although that does happen as well. I had one situation, I think the the weirdest situation in terms of triggering alarms. I was traveling out of, it was either Austria or the Czech Republic many years ago, and I triggered the alarm from the scanner, so they took me into this little, like, shower stall, I want to say, like a tiny little stall with a shower curtain around it to close for privacy with a female agent. And she was doing the pat down and she couldn't find anything. And she was scanning me with a wand. That's another thing they do. They have like a metal detector wand. So she was running the wand all over me and she gestured for me to like lift my shirt up. And I was really confused. But again, I just, I kind of go with the flow. So I did. And it was the underwire in my bra was triggering the metal detector. So that's another possibility. Uh, That was probably my weirdest experience with that sort of personal scanning and security. Um, If they see anything in your bag that looks like it's dangerous or it's not allowed, they might ask to go through your bag. That's happened to me many times. Ultimately, it's always been resolved. They see the weird thing that they saw on the computer. They realize it's not actually a problem. They (laughs) wish me good day and give all my stuff back to me and then you have to repack and it's a whole big thing. Um, But that might happen as well. There may also be drug tests. Um... I was randomly selected for a drug test leaving Taiwan. They just take all your stuff and they run what almost looks like a a cotton ball or like a little cotton pad over everything. They put it in a machine that is testing for traces of illicit materials. They, in my case, realized I didn't have anything and I had a great little conversation and I went on my way. There may also be uh, dogs, security dogs, canine units sniffing for Again, illicit materials, uh, drugs, bomb materials, all of that stuff. Hopefully you have nothing to worry about. I do always get a little nervous when I see the dogs just because I'm afraid they're going to like smell something totally innocuous but think it's a problem and I might get in trouble. But luckily that has not happened and I think the dogs do know what they're doing. So there may be dogs there. So after you go through security, get all your stuff, try to repack it as best you can, and you are going to head for your gate. If you are traveling internationally, you will have to go through passport control likely at this point as well. You will give them your passport, your boarding pass, and any visas if you have them for traveling. This point, I will say, take it seriously and be respectful. This is not the time to joke with them. You may get an agent that's totally fine with joking with you, but you might not. And this is not the point to mess around. Usually in my experience, they're pretty serious as well. So I just, I go with that. I give them all my stuff and wait for any questions. They may have questions. They may ask you where you're going. What do you have with you? I've, yeah, I've had some weird questions like that. And I was sort of dumbfounded, like, um, clothes and things and normal stuff, but hopefully they don't ask you any questions. You will also likely get your picture taken and your fingerprints taken at this point. It's either picture or like retina scan. I honestly don't even know, but they tell you to look at a specific um, dot and I think it takes your picture and then you put your fingers on little screens and it takes your fingerprints 
and then they will stamp your passport and give it back to you. And at this point, you are going to your gate. So your gate, for anyone who doesn't know, is the place where you get on your specific airplane because there are lots of airplanes, lots of flights leaving from airports. So a gate is going to be a letter and a number like D13 or F12 or something. So you're going to want to follow the signs at this point. You definitely want to be at your gate 30 minutes before boarding. This is not 30 minutes before takeoff. This is 30 minutes before boarding. Your boarding pass should have the boarding time listed on it. So you want to be there 30 minutes early and just keep checking the signs and the screens because sometimes gates do change at the last minute and you might have to like scurry to a different gate, you know, on the other side of the terminal or something. So just try to be aware of all of that information going on around you. Hopefully you have extra time. If everything went super smoothly, you may have like an hour or two to kill at this point. So I would recommend getting food, get snacks, refill any water bottles because you can't bring water bottles through security. You're going to want to refill bottles. Most airports these days have the um, water fountain things for bottles so you don't have to buy plastic bottles. Charge your electronics, download anything you want for the flight, use the bathroom, and shop if you feel like it. Duty-free is a big thing. I've never gotten into duty-free, so I really cannot speak to it, but apparently it's a big place to buy like alcohol and cigars and cigarettes and whatever I hear. And then eventually, hopefully there are no delays, you will be boarding your airplane. There will be some designation on your ticket for like a group or a zone or something like that, and or they'll just call you by row. So they may say like boarding zone two or boarding group one or boarding rows 34 through 48. So you just want to pay attention to that. I do have a little bit of like anxiety around boarding and not wanting to be too far back in the line. That's just because of overhead compartment space. I don't want to be stuck with no place to put my bag. But other than that, it really doesn't matter. There's going to be a huge long line. Again, just go with the flow, wait your turn, all of that stuff. You want to have your boarding pass ready. And if it's an international flight, you will have to show your passport again in addition to your boarding pass. So you just want to have all of those documents ready to go. And at that point, you're going to be on the airplane and you can go listen to our how to make it through a long haul flight episode or the fear of flying episode or whatever is appropriate for your situation. Happy flying. I do want to mention that in some airports, you might have to go through security more than once. If the airport, I think this is especially common in the U.S., doesn't have everything contained within security, like all of the gates within the security zone, you may arrive at an airport for a connecting flight, have to leave the security zone, and then go to a different terminal or a different gate and go through security all over again. So that is possible. It's really annoying. I don't like it, but that's something to expect and just, you know, be prepared for, be aware of. So here is some airport etiquette. I was actually really curious about this. I don't think I have any like hard and fast rules of things to do or not to do. So I did some research for this to see what people say is appropriate airport etiquette. Number one, plan ahead for security. You don't want to be the one holding the line up. So again, that's just make sure that you have all your liquids in the right sizes and place. You're ready to take your shoes off, your jacket off, all of that. Just, you know, be prepared. You don't want to be fumbling around too much. But also if someone else is fumbling around a bit, cut them some slack, relax. It's No one likes airports. It's easy to get stressed out, but try not to. Number two, 
always have your boarding pass and your ID handy, you know, even if you don't have it out, just know where it is in your purse, in your wallet, because you will be asked for them a lot. So just keep that ready to go. Treat the hallways like a road. (laughs) If you're walking to your gate, you're going to be in this big wide hallway with a lot of other people. Stay on the right or stay on the left, depending on what country you're in. Don't stop in the middle or weave all over the place. Just, you know, understand that it's like a road and people are going and you don't want to hold up traffic. Don't leave your bags unattended. There will actually be announcements in the airport telling you this. Don't leave your bags unattended just because, well, number one, they could be stolen. Number two, people could put things into them. Worst case scenario, get you in trouble. So just always make sure you know where your own bags are and have an eye on them. If you are eating at your gate, be conscientious about food and smells and all of that. And the next one, avoid smells, personal and food related. Traveling is not the time that I would wear a super strong perfume or anything like that. You just want to respect all the other people around you. Also, this is one that I thought of. (laughs) Don't play music or videos super loud when you're waiting at your gate. I have had this experience before. It's not a huge deal, but it's always just like, what is that person thinking when they're watching a YouTube video really loud without headphones in? Wait your turn for boarding and other lines. I said this before, just try to be chill, try to be relaxed, wait your wait for your spot in line and all of that. And these days, and especially always if you're sick, even once we're after the time of coronavirus, wear your mask. Just going to leave it at that. <laughs> I was curious getting into this about different airports around the world, so we're going to go through quickly the best and worst airports in the world. Now, this is up to date. I think this was from 2021. I found the Skytrax ranking. I'm just going to quote here briefly. Since 1999, Skytrax, an aviation rating company, has funded a global airport customer satisfaction survey branded as the Passenger's Choice Awards. Now in its 22nd year, the company continued the annual tradition despite the impact of the coronavirus pandemic. Travelers reviewed more than 500 airports based on several factors, including check-in, shopping, immigration, security, cleanliness, terminal comfort, and ambiance, choice of bars and restaurants, and airport ease of access. So number one, this one moved up a few spots. It's always been a high-ranking airport, but now it is number one, Doha's Hamad International Airport. This is in Qatar. It's the sole international airport in Qatar. It was praised for its cleanliness, comfort, posh boutiques, unique artwork, COVID-19 response, and indoor train that shuttles passengers through the terminal. So uh, I've never been there personally, can't speak to it, but it sounds like a lovely airport. Number two was Tokyo International Airport. And number three, this was number one for a really long time, many, many years, and it dropped to number three this year, Singapore. The Singapore Changi International Airport dropped to number three. For eight years, it was at number one. And this is the airport that's always touted as like the best airport in the world just because of all the different crazy things that it has. So to see it at number three kind of makes me a little bit sad because I have been there and I did think it was wonderful. For eight years, it was number one. Uh, for being the cleanest and most entertaining airport globally, having a movie theater and a butterfly garden, although they say both the movie theater and the butterfly garden are closed because of the pandemic. So I wonder if that is part of the reason why it dropped in the rankings. 
It also has an indoor waterfall and a slide that can take you to your gate and just tons of crazy artwork and food. And it's really, really well known for being a superb airport. In fact, most people will recommend that you spend some time at the airport in addition to getting there to travel, but like go extra early just so you can check out the airport. It's really fun, but it is number three. The others in the top 10 are in Seoul and Tokyo Narita Airport, Munich International Airport, our first European one, Zurich Airport and London Heathrow, the Kansai International Airport, which is the third Japanese airport in the top 10. Japan holds three of the top 10 spots. And then finally, Hong Kong International Airport. For all of us Americans out there, let's just note that no American airport has cracked the top 10. And if you've traveled in America, that probably doesn't surprise you. <laughs> little cynical right there. Um, no, tra- air travel in America is consistently not as good as the rest of the world. Um, okay, so the worst airports in the world, although I will say no American airport cracks the worst airports in the world either, so that's a plus. So worst airports in the world are for a number of factors, including convenience or food options or delayed flights, things like that. So different things for different airports. But London Gatwick is in the worst airports in the world. The Billy Bishop Toronto City Airport in Canada. And I will say I've actually not heard of many of these, which is probably a good thing. The Porto Airport in Portugal. The Paris Orly Airport, I'm not sure I'm saying that right, but O-R-L-Y, Manchester Airport in the UK, Malta International Airport in Malta, the Honoré Coanda, I should have looked that up, or Henry Coanda, if I'm being super American, but I'm guessing that's not how you say it, International Airport in Romania, the Kuwait International Airport in Kuwait, Lisbon Portela Airport in Portugal, And that brings us to the end of the list. The description for the Lisbon Portela Airport, it was voted the worst airport in the world by AirHelp with overpriced food, rude staff, lack of waiting areas, and mayhem at most queues. Positive passenger feedback is seldom hard. Oh, that doesn't make sense. Seldom hard to come across. I would say it's hard to come across or you can seldom come across it. So hopefully you don't have any experience flying through those airports, but if you do, please tell me about it. I want to hear what it's like to fly through the worst airports in the world because I don't want to do it myself. And finally, for the last part of this episode, we're going to talk about some airport fun facts because there is nothing I love more than a little fun cocktail party fact, as we can call them, when cocktail parties are safe to go to again. So these are totally random all across the board, just some fun things I found online. But if you have any personal experience with these, again, please let me know. I really want to hear. San Francisco International Airport has a therapy pig to help passengers deal with their flight anxiety. She provides mass therapy for pilots, flight attendants, and airport staff, too. I love that. A therapy pig. The world's oldest continuously operating airport is in College or is College Park Airport in Maryland, United States. It was established in 1909 by none other than Wilbur Wright, brother of Orville Wright, the two American aviation pioneers who invented, built, and flew the world's first successful airplane. Talk about a legacy for an airport. Number three, have you noticed that a lot of airport codes, the three-letter codes that identify airports, end in the letter X, even when it doesn't really make sense? Like LAX, LA's airport, where does the X come from? PDX, Portland's airport. 
Before they standardized those as three letter codes, some airports just had two letter codes. So to update them to fit the standard three letters, they just tacked an X on the end. And so that's how we get LAX, PHX, all the other Xs. I love that. Number four, as we mentioned with Singapore's airport, a lot of airports are trying to promote themselves by having like fun, entertainment, things to do, things to attract people and maybe have them not leave such bad reviews for airports. But one of the weirdest airport amenities is in Sao Paulo International Airport in Brazil. In Terminal 2, there is an in-house dentist. You can go get your teeth cleaned, whitened, and other services. Nashville International Airport got a property-wide liquor license. So drinking in airports is kind of a huge thing, like airport bars, but usually you can't bring any alcohol off the premises of the restaurant or bar, but Nashville got a liquor license for the whole airport so you can carry your drinks around with you. Love it. Colorado Springs Airport, shout out to Colorado, has what they call a pot amnesty box where travelers can get rid of any unused items before their flight, no questions asked. And different airports have different ways of keeping birds away. We know if you remember the the landing on the Hudson years ago, that was because of bird strikes in the engines, birds in, in airplanes, not a great combination. So they have to keep birds away from airports if they can. London's Heathrow Airport uses cars equipped with loudspeakers that blast distress calls of different bird species to scare them away from the runway. So that's just one way to keep birds away from your airport. I love all of those. There's so many more fun facts. If you are if you're bored, you should look up airport fun facts and tell me what you find. These are fantastic. And finally, I wanted to give one last shout out to another infamous airport thing, airport food. It is notorious. I would say I want to do a whole episode on airport food because some airports have gone in the opposite direction and are now offering like Michelin star restaurants and famous chefs and all of that. But in general, Airport food is not great and it is expensive. You kind of just have to accept it. You can bring your own food. In fact, most food is allowed through security as long as it's not a liquid. And take the term liquid loosely. My mom once got busted for trying to bring peanut butter through because peanut butter, her peanut butter was too liquidy. It was one of those natural peanut butters, no stabilizers. It was liquidy. They took it away. So you can bring food, just no liquids or anything like that. But if you're buying food at the airport, you just kind of have to suck it up and accept that you're going to be paying quite a lot of money for like a sandwich and a bag of chips or a muffin or something like that. Airports are just weird twilight zones where the regular life rules don't apply and you just have to go with it. Um, That is my brief of airport food. So there's so much more we could talk about in detail, but that is a brief, I mean, not really brief, but in some ways brief introduction to airports, what to expect. If you are embarking on your first or one of your first flights very soon, I would really love to hear what it was like for you navigating the airport or if you have any questions I can answer. You can send any of that to goingoutyourdoortravel at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram and Facebook at goingoutyourdoor and on Twitter at goingoutyour. It is the new year and I always forget to say this. If you are listening on Apple, I would love a review on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, have a fantastic trip. Have a fantastic whatever you're up to between this week and next week. I will talk to you later on Going Out Your Door. 